a Radio 191 FM podcast. I'm joined by Chris Finlayson right now. Maureen, to you, Chris. How are you? Not too bad, and yourself? Good. Marvellous, marvellous. Right, um, amongst the many roles you've had over the, the, the length of your career, uh, you were Treaty of Waitangi Minister, um, f- Negotiations Minister from 2008 and 2017, as well as being Attorney General of Aotearoa as well. Um, one thing I think, um, you're, oh, sorry, I should say, you're coming to Dunedin tomorrow to give an open lecture entitled Using the Courts to Ensure the Durability of a Treaty Settlement. Um, I think a lot of Kiwis, we all know, about the Treaty of Waitangi, uh, we all know about uh, treaty settlement, but we don't really know the processes and what's involved. So, what what kind of was what was the job description of the Treaty of Waitangi negotiations minister? Well, when Jim Bolger was prime minister, I recall him telling me he got all these reports from the tribunal that were piling up, and they could either be used as doorstops or we could do something with them. Mm-hmm. And he decided to do something with them, and appointed a treaty negotiations minister. At that time, Peters was the Minister of Māori Affairs, and he wanted to be Treaty Minister, but he was uh, told he couldn't be, and was just as well because he was fired a few months later. Yes, it wasn't uh, he was as useless as Minister of Māori Affairs as he has been in every other post. <laughs> and then Jim Bolger started negotiations. The first one was with Waikato Tainui, and the next one was with Naitahu. What they did was they set aside a billion dollars in 1994 dollars, Mm-hmm. And there was never going to be enough, and that that cap was breached some years ago. Uh, and then the task was to get on with uh, resolving these historical grievances because uh, they were holding a lot of people back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my task in the time I was the minister was to get on with them and to resolve them during the nine years of Helen Clark's uh, prime ministership. Not a lot had happened. Uh, and um, so I really needed to make up for lost time, which is why I hit the decks running. Yeah, and there's, there's a it's a big process, and, and and there's a lot of parts to it. You know, there's the Office of Treaty Settlement, uh, which is uh, an office within the Ministry of Justice. They kind of report to you. Then there's recommendations made by the Cabinet. Um, you know, but I mean, how does how does that all work? It sounds very confusing to the layman. Oh no, I think what you do is. When you make sure you know you can, ident- you can identify people who are ready to negotiate, uh, then you get on with them, you sign what's called a terms of negotiation about the way the parties will conduct themselves, and then you negotiate towards the heads of agreement or agreement in principle. That normally will cover financial redress, which is never sort of the equivalent of damages in a negligence case because that would bankrupt the country but hopefully it's a a sum that reflects the seriousness of the intent of the government to uh, resolve past grievances Mm -hmm. then there'll be cultural redress Uh, there'll be an opportunity for people to be involved in co-governance of natural resources which mean a lot to them say a river or a lake Mm -hmm. and then importantly and what's often overlooked uh, because a, a lot of cynics out there quite wrongly say, oh, it's only about the money. Well, it's not, actually. Um, they, you set out the the facts of what happened uh, and an apology, and it's a really cathartic process for the strongest entity in the land, the Crown, actually to apologise to people. Yeah. And so then that's contained in a deed of settlement, which is ratified by the settling iwi, 
and then it's given effect to by legislation in the parliament. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that it's not just about the money because I mean you you saw over um, settlements uh, with the Waitangi, uh, the, oh, sorry, the um, Whanganui River Iwi, also uh, Nangi Tuhoi, um, you know, and and what was happening on Te uh, Uruwera. Uh, as well, so you know, it, it doesn't even come close to just being about the money. No, no, it's about. And um, when you have people who, for generations, like five hundred years, have been saying, "I am the river, and the river is me," mm. their identification with the river is overwhelming. In fact, there's a case which is reported in the New Zealand Law Reports. Uh, it's called "In Re the Bed of the Wanganui River." And I heard a fascinating story the other day that the lawyer who was involved in that, a great graduate of Otago University, George Barton, uh, he was briefing someone's evidence in Tamaranui for this case in the late 1950s, and the guy got very agitated uh, and went away and came back and looked as though he'd been bathing. He'd been in the river. That's and so there was that spiritual connection that a lot, a lot of Pākehā don't really uh, understand, but it's very, very strongly there. Indeed, indeed. Now, um, as we said before, you're coming here for your open lecture um, using the courts to ensure the durability of treaty settlements. If we need the courts to come in, what are the faults? What do you think is the faults with the system we have now? The faults with the system we have now is that the Crown always forgets. And all the problems up in the Uruwaras were about the Crown forgetting its obligations that Dick Seddon had made to Tuhoi in 1896. Uh, and I've seen it in my time as a minister. Um, a lot of uh, people forget that there was a settlement dealing with a particular issue uh, and then uh, innocently but stupidly start to make the same mistakes again. So it's it's very important for the government to be held to account that once it signs an agreement, it's not a commercial agreement, mm. but it's an agreement that governs relationships in the future, that they need to do it properly and they need to adhere to what they said they'd do. And if they don't, they need to be brought to account. And I think the courts are a good body to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's the Treaty of Waitangi Negotiations Minister's role to not forget and bring those things up within within the process um, and, and I'm assuming you, you did that um, so I mean but the, the, I mean, the courts are governed by law uh, and if you the treaty is I mean it's a difficult one there's two interpretations of the treaty is there a clear law on it can courts really rule on something oh like I think so? the courts have done a good job in the 80s and 90s and saying to governments uh, well, guys, you're going to have to sit down and negotiate on this one, and until you do, uh, the particular sale of the assets not going to take place. So there is a, a role for the courts in monitoring uh, treaty settlement legislation and making sure that the government stays honest. Well, so if courts were going to have some rulings, I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier on about bankrupting the country. I mean, if courts kind of ruled on a fair basis, that could be a real possibility. I mean... Uh, no, no, I'm not talking about the courts saying uh, the Crown should pay $5 billion to Naitahu as opposed to 1.7 or whatever it was. But I think that what I'm talking about is where you've got a piece of treaty settlement legislation, you've got to make sure that the Crown honours it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, would, what kind of... Um 
what, what would you have to build within the courts to get that kind of stuff done? Could the courts do it on the current, the, the way they currently work and the, the way they work within the law, or would you have to put in new articles to, to make this oh, new work? New legislation. Yeah, new well, that, legislation. That's, that's actually a very interesting question. I think they've got the power to do it now, just as they had the power under the Bill of Rights to issue declarations of non-compliance uh, with the Bill of Rights by uh, Parliament when it passed certain legislation. Okay. Uh, how are you seeing this latest government and uh, with their work within um, uh, working with settlements? Are they doing a good job? Uh, I've, I spent the first year being totally uncritical because I don't think it's particularly classy to leave off attacking <laughs> people. But I, I am concerned that a lot of the momentum that's been built up could have been lost. I think that too much time was spent trying to um, get Napui to the negotiating table. I think that's a lost cause for about a decade. Uh, and personally, I would have focused on uh, some of the settlements that were well advanced that I had uh, not quite finished off. And then I would have concluded those like Ngāti Maniapoto in the King Country, fantastic iwi. Uh, and I had signed an agreement in principle with them and the commercial component was 164 million. I mean, the fact of the matter is when you get into parliament, in, uh, into government, I should say, uh, you really have to pull finger and uh, too much time just talking and having kumbaya sessions doesn't really advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that we do swap governments, you know, every nine years, every six years, every three years, as you would probably like that to be, Chris, um, with the current government, do you think maybe that process is getting murked up too much because we are swapping negotiations, Minister? Do you, or do you think it's oh, really well, important live, to have that in role? A, we live in the, in, the, in the realm of politics and there are going to be changes of government. Yeah. And so uh, you just have to live with that. But you hope that your successes... Uh, will uh, get on with the job and pursue the matter with the same energy that, that you did. But, you know, that's the way it is. I guess it is the way it is. All right, so you're coming to Ōtipoti tomorrow, um, and I know you're excited about that because it is such a beautiful city, and we are going to put on some sunshine for you, so fear to, do not fear too much. Um, so your lecture is uh, from 3 o'clock uh, to 430 at um, in the Richardson building on the ground floor. Um, can you give us just a little bit more insight of what you will be covering tomorrow? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be talking about various things. I'm very much looking forward to uh, coming to the Otago Law Faculty. It's got a great name. Uh, and um, people like Geddes and others make a big contribution far beyond the borders of Otago national discussion on a whole lot of issues, which is good. Indeed they do. Um, Christopher Neeson, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us this morning. Well, thank you for interviewing a complete irrelevance. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. You're certainly not. See you later, mate. Cheers. Bye. Right, Chris Finlayson, QC, Queen's Council, coming to Otipoti tomorrow to give his lecture using the courts to ensure the durability of a treaty settlement. From 3 o'clock to 4.30 tomorrow at the um, Te Tumu ground floor of the Richardson building. No charge, open to the public. Come along, hear him talk. It'll be great. That was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.